got you. And if you wanna meet up, we can make it chop it up like E.I.U. E.I.U. Try and beat her. I said meet her. I can scream E. Out the S class for the E. No, I'm too big for a key. I ain't come too strong, sangria. Can't see I run this block. My B.I. gang gon' ride y'all. Lee y'all hair. They bang over I like a Lee y'all hair. See my hair. She can see I'm rare. Wonder what she gon' wear. I'm well aware. She needs to keep trying. Take a flick, send it to wifey. I'm trying. Get it in quick, then I'm flying. A friend for a lion. I'm lying. If you don't, that's cool. I'm lying. Said she want me go roll like a lion. God. Baby, I'm a go hard like a diamond. My team said things like a diamond. That bitch named a diamond. So dope, I'm a name of a diamond. This is Beyond Marie, and you're listening to Hoobazoo.com. I'm not crazy. I'm just a little emotional right now, okay? Y'all throwing all this stuff at me, man. But get, I mean, after this is over, could I like get a hug from you or something? Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Can you dig it? This is blasphemy. This is madness. This is a booth. Staring down, looking at the blood stained concrete. You're the dead MC, flying at my feet. You took a nine millimeter rhyme straight to your mind. Damn, my better split. This is my time, so I make my way up the block. Get to home base and lock them. Uh. Crack the Cavassier and grab the phone. Call one of my troops up. Hope the soldiers when he says, Yo, what's up? What's going on? Make it quick, cause I'm trying to get my stellar on. Nigga. Yo, girl, I'm in the. These lyrical assassins tried to pull a hit and then boom, came a noise from the other room. It was the boys in blue with the SWAT crew. They got us locked up for lyrical murder. It's one of them charges that you never heard of. It's the booth, the booth, the booth, the booth. Yeah, it's the booth, the booth, the booth. Yeah, we're killing all your podcasts like the HIV virus. You want to battle this kid? Huh, don't even try this. Back the uh. up, think again, count to ten. You want to grab that mic just to get done in? It's the booth. The booth. The booth. The booth. Yeah, it's the booth. The booth. The booth. The booth. Yeah, it's the booth. Was he African? African. African. No. He was American and he was like you. 
He looked just like you. He's Jewish. Just Wait, like okay. you. Okay, Jew. It's an odd crime for a Jew to commit. Yeah, I'm pretty docile. Okay, so we have an African Jew wearing a hoodie. No, you don't. No. no, that's not what I said. Is that what you heard me say? I said he looked like you. Do you look like an African Jew? No, I look like a cop. Yeah. <sighs> he was Caucasian. All right, it's your boy Sinister One broadcasting live from the City of Champions. You are listening to The Booth. It is January 19th, 2021, on the eve of Inauguration Day. Biden and Harris, as you can see here. I've got a nice sweatshirt that somebody gave to me. Uh, my aunt is Vianna Marie. Biden, 46th president and 46th vice president. Harris uh, takes place tomorrow in Washington, D.C. And uh, it's going to be a historic moment. As we've also had the farewell address of Mr. Donald J. Trump. We don't have to call him president no more and respect that title. I actually dropped that title from him about two weeks ago. So he will now be referred to as Donald Trump. And in tonight's show, it is also the last of Trump troubles. We will now be fully transitioning into Biden bombshells on tonight's show. Um, So it will be the last Trump troubles segment. But before we get into the show, I got to thank my guests from last week, special guests last week, Stephen Cords and Bram Stoker Award winner Tom Deedy, writer, author Tom Deedy of the new book Haven. It was a great interview, good time. You want to check out these guys' podcast, Coffee House of the Dam. They talk about horror movies right up Ken's alley. They talk about horror novels and horror books. Um, and they talked about Kaiju. So it was a great show. Check out the podcast on YouTube. And check out their podcast also. Um, but tonight, as you guys can see in here, I got my guys with me here. I squared and Ken Diesel hanging out with me here. And here's a first. Ken Diesel actually beat R squared into the show tonight. That is that is like amazing. It's like a blue moon. Like I was in shock. Like I almost wanted to pinch myself. I thought I was dreaming. Um, but they're on with me tonight. We got a lot of stuff to talk about. And as you can see down here in the bottom right hand corner are my sponsors Michael Douglas Barreto, lifetime warranty on your Xbox controllers. You send it out to him, he fixes them within 48 hours, gets it right back to you. You are back to gaming. MDB Electronics. Also, check out Rebel Rom, Rebel Rom Clothing. That's my cousin's clothing line. You want to check her out, get some of your Rebel Rom attire. She's got shirts and hoodies and bags and things of such sort so you want to check out rebelrom.com so we're going to get right into this show we're going to let my guys say hello i'm going to let ken diesel say hello first hello and welcome to the show and happy pre-inauguration day the clock is ticking oorah 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 yeah i squared you want to say hello to everyone hello everyone good night (laughs) <laughs> we got a good show here, and we're going to get right into it in the news booth here locally. Due to the uptick in the COVID numbers here, Boston's 2021 St. Patrick's Day Parade has been canceled this year, which we all know takes place shortly after Mardi Gras and stuff, and when the warmer weather just kind of coming around here. I got to think, oh, got some more people jumping in the chat. How's it going, Andrew Carter? Passport Pudge, what's going on? Kevin O'Callaghan. Dennis Donnie, thank you for your service. Thanks for watching the show. Grant Lewis, what's going on? But the St. Paddy's Day Parade has been canceled. Um, The numbers are climbing. But here's my opinion, people. 
at the way that I've been watching this and that the way this has been going and the way that we're doing the vaccinations, my prediction is that July 4th will be the biggest celebration in this country and it will be in perfect timing. And the reason why I'm going to point this out to everybody as we talk about this story right now, one of the reasons why the numbers are rising right now is because we had a lot of people that didn't pay attention during Thanksgiving, Christmas and new years with those three big holidays linked together, two week incubation period. And then the numbers are going to rise from those events. Thanksgiving was the last week of November heading into the first week of December. Two weeks after that, you saw that uptick in numbers from all those people who traveled that shouldn't have traveled. Then you go right into Christmas. And then two weeks after Christmas, as I just saw a story, 19, a family of 19 COVID positive after having people from friends and family come from Canada. And now everybody's gotten COVID. Then you head into New Year's. After New Year's, Two weeks incubation period, boom, we're seeing those numbers. So these numbers are going to continue to climb. From here until July 4th, we really don't have any big holidays other than Memorial Day. So my opinion is, and watch, this is where the Trump supporters are going to turn around and say, it's all a scam only because Biden's in office. No, it's not because Biden's in office. It's because we don't have any more big holidays to celebrate or to travel for. So what's going to happen is, is nobody's traveling these next few weeks and everybody's starting to get vaccinated by May and April. The public is going to be vaccinated. Once the public is vaccinated, more people are going to feel comfortable to travel. So my prediction is, is that July 4th is probably the date that a lot of people are getting ready for is going to be that date for everybody that just celebrate and get out and have fun Because if you look at these numbers, they're going to all start to drop and they're going to drop off fast because nobody's going to be traveling anymore. I doubt anybody's going anywhere for February school vacation or April vacation. So again, I'm going to see a drastic drop in these numbers. I think July 4th is going to be the target date to see a big, big comeback. Uh, Squid, your thoughts? Well, I hope you're right. That's all I can say. We're all being told it's going to get a lot worse before it gets better. God only knows. But you are, there are a couple of good points. Number one, we're not going to have a lot of holidays. So a lot of people aren't coming together. Number two, it's colder outside. So people aren't outside a lot. So people are uh, sheltering in place, not by choice, but because of this season. And you're right. The vaccines are coming online. Joe Biden has said he's got a plan to bring out 100 million vaccines in the first 100 days. I think that's incredibly ambitious. I doubt he'll be able to pull it off, and I hope to God he proves me wrong. So if you're listening, Mr. President-elect, please, please prove me wrong and get out 100 million-plus vaccines in your first 100 days. Yeah, I mean, I I think – look, I I appreciate the effort. Uh, We certainly need it nationwide, and – you know, anybody who wants to make that commitment, make it happen, whether it's from the pharmaceutical end, the government end, whatever, uh, we really need a target, though. And I say for this reason, because I know here in Florida, we're, we're, we're hearing that we could be lucky uh, for those of us that are not, you know, senior citizens or high risk populations uh, we'll, we'll be lucky if we get it by July. So I don't know, if, you know, I can't imagine the rest of the country is going to be all that different. Um, so, 
if we can get people vaccinated at a faster pace, then that's great. But I'm not counting on getting vaccinated in order to sell Excuse me, in time to celebrate July 4th. So we'll see. I will say this. It's interesting. The governor Baker outlined his plan for vaccinations and defense attorneys like myself have been moved to phase two, which is kind of nice. So I'm told I'll be getting the vaccine between February and April of this year. Yeah, I believe believe I'm phase two. We're still vaccinating first responders right now. Yeah, Yeah, they just transportation. Yeah, probably. We can call it a tale of two Republicans, right? You have Governor Baker and Governor DeSantis down here. And Governor DeSantis is like, oh, yeah, we want all the teachers. Everybody has to be teaching in person. Oh, but we're not giving you the vaccine till last. And, you know, things like that. So, you know, the the Florida plan is going nowhere fast. And, uh, uh, you know, the governor has been caught shipping the vaccines to small Republican counties and ignoring the large Mm. popular counties that don't vote Republican. And that that can't be an accident because, you know, that's where your population centers are. And that's where there's more a greater need. That's right. Uh, All the objective criteria. Are you suggesting a right wing? A, a right-wing, narcissist, malignant, narcissistic, Trump-supporting governor would favor small rural counties over big urban counties that have a black-and-bound population? I'm shocked. You'd be giving him too much credit to think that he actually had a mental process that's that, that sophisticated. It's uh, uh, And it's actually the white communities that are being denied. So it's uh, it, it's just purely he has his favorite counties and that's that's what he cares about. Um, and, you know, either way, the, the fact is it's it's a lack of prioritization. And, and so on the one hand, you know, like you guys can uh, wire defense attorneys been moved up because you guys are necessary to go to court and to prisons and, and what have you. You're at high risk. And so anybody that's being forced by necessity to engage in, in higher risk activities, meaning indoor crowded activities, uh, needs to be moved up. It's just if everybody gets moved up, then nobody's moved up. That's the problem. So in Florida, the governor's like, you know what? He doesn't he doesn't like teachers. Uh, he's an idiot, so he doesn't like education, so he doesn't like teachers. And, uh, you know, so he wants everybody, he's, he's demanding, he's forcing teachers to go back into the classroom or, or be fired, you know, so even if you're high risk, you have a choice to, to <clears throat> teach with high risk or get fired. And, uh, but then he says, but we're not going to give you the vaccine. So, I mean, you know, look, I, I, I accept that we need to get kids back in school and that means teachers have to teach and there might be some risk, but give them the damn shot, put them up front. They can't stay home if you're telling them to go to the classroom. So give me a break. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll see what's going to happen. Amen uh, to that, brother. Amen yep. Also, vote for Lisa Bellow to be the Inked Magazine cover girl. Lisa Bellow was on this show a few weeks ago. She just dropped a new release, self-titled album. She is now trying to get on the cover of Inked Magazine. If she does, she will be the cover girl. So please go there, click the link, and make sure you put a vote in for Lisa Bello. Also heading into the entertainment booth, Dustin Diamond, also known as Screech on Saved by the Bell. Stage 4 cancer. He's checked into a hospital down in Florida. As we all know, that stage 4 cancer is not good at all. Um, That kind of lets us know where he's standing. Um, A lot of the Saved by the Bell cast members have sent out uh, thoughts and blessings and prayers going out to Dustin Diamond. So we want to just make sure we extend those prayers out to him as he battles with cancer. Um, Also in the entertainment booth, 
Marvel Comics is facing a call as cancel culture is trying to get them to drop the Punisher logo because the Punisher logo was used by some of these rioters during the insurrection in January 6th. Look, if they all wore Papa Smurf t-shirts, are we going to ban Papa Smurf t-shirts? This is, we're going a little too far here with being PC and, and this whole cancel culture. Just because somebody wears something doesn't mean we have to ban it. Plus, I hate to say this, but the Punisher logo is badass. So, I mean, let's be let's be honest. What were there more of at the January 6th insurrection? Punisher logos or F-350 or Chevy truck shirts and Chevy logos? I would say there were more Ford and Chevy and Dodge logos on those shirts and, and jackets and things. But even though this is a funny segue... Let's talk about banning this and that because let's. I've got a military guy. Here's my question to you, Robert. So here's a dangerous slippery slope. We want to ban, we want to end the, the Punisher logo because some of these knuckleheads wore the Punisher logo when they did this insurrection. But let's be real honest here and let's talk about this other scary part. There were a lot of men when you watch these videos that had paramilitary uniforms, supplies, and logos and things of that sort. And this is when you really start getting into the conversation of what do you ban and what do you not ban. I'm going to ask you, ask with that first, because you're a military guy. And I know you saw a lot of these military wannabes. One of the gentlemen who was arrested and now being questioned had full military guard on with military zip ties while storming the Capitol, the inside chambers. And that was scary because when they caught this guy, he wasn't even military at all. He was just a citizen. So I'm going to turn this over to you, R Squid. Yeah, and, and I'll stay focused on this one question so I don't get ahead of where we are okay. in the show. Yeah. But the, the issue is this. You can get this stuff online. I mean, the Internet is a great place for people who want to do this kind of shopping and, and buy things, you know, whatever. We all know you can get anything you want in the Internet. And, of course, there's the dark net where you can get stuff that maybe you're not supposed to have and whatever. But quite frankly, even without going to the dark net, it's not that hard to get military gear. Uh, because let's face it, the people who sell it to the military are in the in the money making business, right? They're, they're mm-hmm. legitimate companies, and they don't just sell to the United States military. They sell to other countries, other militaries, uh, law enforcement, what have you. It is not that hard. If you want to spend the money, you can buy the vests, the helmets, um, all kinds of things. They're not prohibited. There may be some slight different versions that are available or, or what have you, but at the end of the day, you can get this type of stuff. Uh, and, and so these, these groups, they've been stockpiling this stuff for years. This didn't start after the election. This has been going on for 40 damn mm-hmm. years, okay? Mm-hmm. So they've been buying this stuff piecemeal for the longest time, and I promise not to get ahead of ourselves, so I'm just answering your question. It's not surprising to me or anybody in the military that they have this stuff. Because you can get it anywhere. And it's some of them served either currently or former, and they have some of that stuff. They maybe even stole it when they left. So, you know, there's there's no shortage of ways to get it, and it's not a surprise. And we'll, we'll hold on to that because we are going to discuss that. Ken, yeah. you want to add anything to this cancel culture? Yeah. R- yeah, really. Look, this is getting out of freaking control. Uh, as a uh, you know, I, you and I are both comic book fans, and I think mm-hmm. a little background about The Punisher is important because remember the Punisher is a vigilante. He's an anti-hero. His family was murdered 
by criminals. So he goes out and he decides he's going to extract vengeance. He is not someone who is popular with mainstream authority. He, these people, he'd be the exact opposite of the, of the type of people he would hang out with. He'd probably shoot them. So it's a little <laughs> ironic that the punishment is being held up by it because he's the exact type of person that he would go after. Are you kidding me? People who bash the head of, of, of men and women who are just trying to do their job? No. This is ridiculous. Some idiot wearing a T-shirt that has the Punisher logo. First of all, you have to know what the Punisher logo is to understand what it is. Mm-hmm. You have to be a comic book person to know what it is or have it explained to you what it is. That's number one. Number two, this isn't like the guy who wore the Camp Auschwitz sweatshirt or the other people who wore <laughs> T-shirts that, that spelled out six million wasn't enough or the Army of Northern Virginia battle flag. No, no, no. Sorry. Nice try. A for effort. F for execution. Sit down. Shut up. Read a comic book. Then come back and talk to me. Nice, cool. And I can close that out. Move on with that. Hey, Kevin Jeffries, what's going on? Happy hour with Lito Podcast. He's checking out the booth tonight. What's going on? Dropping the peace sign. And we're going to move on here. I got a trailer for you guys uh, in the entertainment booth. HBO Max has dropped a bomb with their new ad. And um, it is, I can just tell you right now, this is crazy, everybody. Um, HBO Max, as you know, released... Wonder Woman 84 on Christmas Day. And the numbers provided them, let them realize that people will watch movies at home versus going to the movies, as we have seen. Now, originally, Godzilla versus King Kong was supposed to premiere on Netflix. But because streaming has gotten so, gotten so popular in the home... There is ne- there are now bidding wars amongst these streaming companies now to get the rights to these films. So Legendary Pictures, Warner Brothers, uh, HBO Max has won the bidding war. And here's the trailer real quick of all of the HBO Warner Brothers films that are going to debut in the movie theaters. But at the same time, they will debut on HBO Max. And I'll tell you, I was going crazy because you just got to watch. You all just... You just gotta watch. Here it is. How can we help? With the what now? So of all those movies that you saw in that trailer that HBO Max put out, Godzilla vs. King Kong, which I cannot wait for, looks already amazing with the five seconds that they showed us. Uh, We also saw HBO Max with the release of the King Richard movie. um, And we also saw The Matrix, which we know is coming out. So good stuff from HBO Max. If you guys want to check it out, good stuff. I can't wait. Godzilla vs. King Kong is is a classic matchup. And I can't see what they're going to do differently than what they did in the 60s. But from what that last Godzilla movie did, I am pretty excited to see what they're going to do. Heading into the sports booth, UFC Fight Island number 7. Methuen's own Max Holloway took on Calvin Cater. Well, Methuen's own Calvin Cater took on Max Holloway. Um, In the five-round battle, lightweight battle, it was a crazy, crazy fight. 
And even though Calvin came out on the losing end, he got a lot of respect from everybody in the MMA world. It was probably one of the fights of the year to open up 2021. Both guys were bloodied up bad, and it was just a great fight. So if you haven't checked it out, you want to make sure you head over and look it up and search it. You Trust me, you will not be upset at this one this is a great fight also in ufc news ufc 257 takes place this weekend conor mcgregor is taking on dustin poria this is their second fight we'll see what happens they're going to be on abu dhabi fight island also this is a pay-per-view event ufc 257 jump in now conor mcgregor looks great heading into this fight so we're going to see something different from him he is promising um in the sports booth let's get into the sports booth talk of this right now guys uh what we've got coming up this weekend in the nfl are the nfl conference championships and as we all know the final four teams that are making it as you see here on the nfc side is green bay and tom brady's Tampa Bay, well, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And on the AFC side, we have Kansas City taking on the Buffalo Bills, who have waited 20 years to get to this spot because the Patriots had dominated the AFC for so long. But here's the deal. In that KFC game, uh, Kansas City game, um, Patrick Mahomes suffered a concussion, had to leave the game, went into concussion protocol, just as Lamar Jackson did, except... Buffalo lost that. Um, Buffalo won that game, and the Ravens didn't advance. So Lamar Jackson had his concussion late in the game and didn't come back. But here's the deal, people. Uh, Patrick Mahomes is still in concussion protocol. They have not released any word as if he is to playing. Guys, what are your thoughts if this game can't be played by their starting quarterback? Do you think? I think Buffalo has every chance now to advance in this game. Um, I think if Mahomes plays, I think Kansas City will still win this game, but not by much. So I'm going to go around here, and we're going to let these guys give their picks. Uh, Ken, I'm going to start with you, the Kansas City-Buffalo game. Your thoughts? Okay. First of all, let me just say this. I hope my prayers are out with Mr. Mahomes. I hope he gets better. I hope he can play. God knows I don't want anybody to have a career shortened or ended or even a season ended because of an injury. That being said, I think Casey's a, is a giant with a glass jaw. They barely, I mean, barely got through Cleveland. And no disrespect to the Browns. I think you guys had a hell of a season. I think the way you have handled Pittsburgh, especially after their idiotic mistakes, was great. And I loved every minute of that game. But I'm sorry. You're good. You're just not there yet. Next year, I think you're looking good. But Casey, even without Mahomes, should not have had to wait to the last second of the game to pull a gutsy trick play to get you in the end zone. I'm sorry. Buffalo. I've always had a lot of respect for Buffalo, especially their fans. Any team that can go to go outside and sit in an open air stadium for three hours in December, you have my respect, sir. You do. I've been to <laughs> Buffalo in December. I don't want to spend five minutes out there, much less three hours. And I just have a lot of a lot of you know sympathy for. Uh, you know any team that goes to Super Bowl four times without a victory. God bless you. I'm sorry. I think Buffalo is going to take it. I think it's their year. They were what Kansas City was last <clears> year. The team get no one gives respect to that's hungry, that's putting stuff together. I think Casey is living off a bit of a reputation. And here's the thing again. No team has won back-to-back Super Bowls since the Patriots did it in 2001. There's a good reason for that. 
Okay. It's just incredibly difficult. Mm -hmm. Everything had to go right for KC last year, and it did. They're having a little problems with injuries, even without Mahomes. I'm going with Buffalo. It's going to be a nasty blood on the floor. Don't leave the game until the final thing buzzer, but I'm picking Buffalo by three. But it's going to be close. And that could with happen. or without yeah. Mahomes. Yeah. I squid, your thoughts? <clears throat> Yeah, uh, you know, here's the thing. I, I think Kansas City, I, I think a little bit more of them than I guess Ken does. I, I thought earlier in the season they were the team to beat, including uh, almost a definite appearance in the Super Bowl. But without Patrick Mahomes, there's no way they beat Buffalo. That's the first thing. So I, I just don't think – nothing against Chad Henney. I remember when he played down here. Uh, he, he's not a great starting quarterback, but he, he, he knows how to play the game. But I just don't think that with, with him running the team – uh, I, I just don't see it. Mahomes is something special, and I, I sorry, Chiefs fans, you're not going to win without Mahomes. The thing is, they know that, and I hope they don't rush him back because then if he gets hurt again, that that's, then it becomes a career issue. So, let, you know, hopefully they make a good decision, a good smart decision. I know he wants to be out there, but it doesn't mean that's the right answer. And I think uh, with the Buffalo. Oh, go ahead. Let you finish. I was just going to say, but I, I think I think without Mahomes, Buffalo wins. I think it'll be a close game anyway. Uh, I think Buffalo is hungry. Uh, you know, I, I, I sort of felt bad other than when the Giants beat them because they lost four Super Bowls in a row. And that's just a terrible streak. And, and people remember that. And, you know, they, they deserve it. If, if they can win the Super Bowl, I would love to see that. Uh, I don't want to see them get there and lose again. That's for sure. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that just doesn't do anybody any good. And you know what's awesome about their fans, too, that Bills Mafia fan club? Um, they they like to support other teams' players. And after um, Lamar Jackson had got injured and went out with the concussion, the Bills Mafia fans, they went out and donated $29,000 to his charity, um, yeah. that Lamar Jackson. So yeah. uh, Mike Fiore, who told me to keep an eye on this because very he said classy. these guys are very classy. They always donate to a lot of these people outside of their realm. And to see that is is huge, you know, that to see that fan base support Lamar Jackson after getting injured, which was it was a scary injury. His injury wasn't as bad as Mahomes. Mahomes landed right on the on the crown of his head uh when he hit the ground. So yeah. I knew he was he was hurt. So heading into the NFC and we've got people in the chat. Kevin Jeffries, what's going on? He said my team's the Tennessee Titans. They're out, so he's really for Tom. We're about to talk about that. Brian Joseph Lynch, what's going on? He's in the chat. He said, especially with the money, they're playing Mahomes. I don't know. I think with the NFL guys, if I'm not mistaken, because of the liability and all these concussion lawsuits, I think at the end of the day, the doctors will release or keep him. I don't think the team has a say once he enters concussion protocol. I may not be right. I might have to look that over, but I thought... Once someone enters concussion protocols, they cannot return to play unless the doctors sign off on that okay. So there can be no, oh, we're going to let him play if he feels he's good. Because we had this issue with, I believe, Antonio Brown when he wanted to come back and the doctors wouldn't clear him. So if I'm not mistaken, everybody, um, don't hold me to this etched in stone. But I, I think the doctors have to clear Mahomes in order for him to play once he enters concussion protocol. So if you guys want to check that out, if anybody's out there, you want to just look that up. This isn't like the old days of North Dallas 40 where they say go back in there and, and play the game while the lights and the birds are still swirling around your head. So uh, 
we'll we'll see, but I think that's the case here. Uh, on the NFC side, look, it's the dream match that everybody's been waiting for once again. Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Green Bay Packers, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers going up to Lambeau Field. Now, look, all y'all people out there who are on social media that don't watch a lick of football talking about it's going to be hard for Tom Brady to go up to Lambeau Field to win in that cold. Shut up. Shut the F up. Y'all don't realize the dude was here for 20-plus years. He knows what a cold environment is and how to prepare and get ready for a cold environment. So anybody who thinks that it's hard for Tom Brady to go to Lambeau Field, y'all don't know nothing about football. Just shut up. Grown folks are talking. (laughs) For real. Because Tom knows how to get ready for Lambeau Field. He wears a diving suit, which Ken knows well. Ken, why does Tom Brady wear a diving suit in the winter? You're a diver. Because it's a great way of maintaining body heat. So he knows. It's a fantastic way of maintaining body heat. Yeah. Let me just say that. First of all, I don't think anyone's ever prepared for Lambeau Field. I mean, Lambeau Field, Wisconsin in the winter is freaking cold. It's nasty. It just is. If anybody who doesn't play there can get adjusted to it, it would be Tom Brady. That being said, it's still freaking cold. And here's the other problem I've got with Tampa Bay going to Lambeau. I agree with you. Tom Burns, a cold weather quarterback. He was in New England for 20 years. He played in the snowball. Yada, 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 yada. The problem is, and maybe Gronk too, because Gronk didn't play as often, but he did. Mm-hmm. But the rest of those teams are a thin are a thin blood, and that's what I'm worried about. The other thing is, here's the big thing that – a couple of things. Number one, they're playing without Packer Nation, without the cheese heads. Mm-hmm. That's going to be a big yeah. effect. One of the biggest problems people had – was was going to Lambo was the fans, so they're losing that. The other thing is, I'm sorry, I don't think the Packers belong in the NFC Championship game. Yes, they won the games, but they are not the Packers of all. They got really lucky at a couple of key games. Now, granted, mm-hmm. luck is part of football, and you got to take you know you got to take your up, you know your opportunities when you get them, and they took take advantage of them. Don't misunderstand me, but I don't think the Packers are as good as everyone say they are, and I don't think Tampa Bay is as lucky as they say they are. I was a little surprised. I didn't think Tampa was going to get past round one, and they're making me eat my freaking words. The other thing is Tampa's defense. I don't know what they're feeding those boys or those men. I don't want to get sensitive here. But whatever it is, I want some. Because I have not seen a Tampa defense that aggressive since the 70s. I mean, my God, they were just all over everybody in the playoffs. They were, you know – they weren't playing this soft zone crap that they that they normally do. They were forcing turnovers. They were forcing pressure on the quarterbacks. If they can bring that against Aaron Rodgers, they actually may have a shot. Well, but one I'm kid's still a rookie. Green Bay. I think they're good. As much as I hate, to, one of the kids yeah, on the defense. As much is as a I rookie. hate to say this, because I cannot stand Green Bay, I can't stand Aaron Rodgers. But I think they're going to take it. But I'm praying to God I'm wrong. It's okay. Um, before I give my pick, I'm going to let R-Square talk about this. Uh, what I was trying to mention was uh, one of the defensive players is a rookie, and the other kid that made a big impact, he's only in his second year. So their defense has come along nicely. R-Square, your thoughts on this game? Yeah, you know, I, I'm just going to remind you guys of our conversation back in August when I told you Tampa Bay was the team to watch, and you yep. both laughed at me. You yep. both ridiculed me. And yep. and this is what I saw. This is what, you know, and granted, I'm down in Florida. I can see a little bit more of them than you can. So fair's fair is fair. Uh, but that's what I saw. And, and 
I actually wanted the Saints to win that game. I wanted Drew Brees to end his career with a Super Bowl. He is a class mm-hmm. act. He is a hell of a competitor. He deserved a Super Bowl on his way out. And, 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 it, and it just really it, it pains me to have not seen that because he earned it. However, I predicted Tampa Bay was going to win that game. I wasn't rooting for them, but I thought they would win for the reasons that we've been discussing. Uh, they, they are for real, and, and they are a heck of a team. They're on a roll. Uh, New Orleans was having some problems the last couple of weeks, and, and that's just unfortunate to end the season that way because you lose momentum. You know, it's a negative momentum kind of thing. So I think, I think Tampa Bay absolutely can win in Lambeau. Uh, for the reasons that Ken said, obviously they don't have the fans there and, and they will be prepared. You know, equipment gets better every year and, and including cold weather equipment. And they have they have the abilities to, to wear all kinds of cold weather stuff now that's not as bulky and limiting as, as you know, some of us may remember from younger days. So um, I, I think absolutely they can yeah. win and win. And, and if I were betting, I would bet on Tampa Bay. Yeah, uh, really? before, I give, before I give my pick, Brian Joseph well, Lynch put this in the chat guys i'm gonna let you guys because you guys are the legal guys and we we you guys would be able to understand this more and be able to clear it up he said this, this is right from the nfl concussion protocol after a player has progressed through the five-step process and is cleared for full participation by the team physician the team doctor he must then be seen separately and cleared by a independent neurological consultant inc jointly approved by the NFL and the NFL Players Union, who is approved by the NFL but not affiliated with any NFL club, which other means an outside third party. Until cleared by this independent physician, a player may not return to contact practice or play in the NFL game. So that kind of kills that whole idea of them just letting them play, right? Correct? If you're looking at this from a legal standpoint, Asquid? Oh, absolutely. And, and look, a lot of that, it's very difficult for all that to occur in a week. I mean, they only have a week. And, and yeah. so, you know, the odds are against them anyway. Uh, you know, what, what I was talking about was if he were cleared by all of that, there's still the team decision to let him play or not, or, right. or his decision to play or not. So even if he can overcome all those hurdles, which, again, is very hard to do in a week, uh, you know, then there's decision just because we can now doesn't mean that they should. Now, yeah, they want to win that game. But at the same time, if he, you know, if, if he has a more permanent injury from this, uh, then, then what good is that for the next? Because he's their quarterback for years. That's right. I mean, he's yeah, there for years. So, yeah. so yeah. you know, you, you could take I, I know no one <laughs> wants to give up a championship game, but, you know. He, it's a, yeah, he, they signed him. He's the franchise player. Yeah. yeah. Ken, your, your thoughts on that, that legal aspect there? Now that we have it. Thank you, Brian. Joseph Lynch for supplying us with that info. Well, thank you, Brian, first of all. And. You're, since the one you're right, R squared, you're right. This is something that's controlled. We call the collective bargaining agreement or CBA. And this happens a lot with CBAs. They have outsiders come in and act as a, fi- a final arbitrator and simply say, give a thumbs up or thumbs down. So unless they can get this thing done in a week, and I theoretically think it's possible, although I think it's highly improbable because they'll probably want an MRI or a CAT scan or something like that. They'll probably want to go through some tests, you know, Maybe I don't think they're going to get it done within a week, and I agree with what Rob said. I don't think they want to, to sacrifice their franchise quarterback and their future for one game. They may just say, "Hey, look, we had a Super Bowl last year. That was great. Yeah. You know, this is if, if we can go to the Super Bowl again with our backup. That's fantastic. If not, it's not our year. There's always next year." 
And I think they'd be foolish to force him in to a situation where he could be a career ending injury. Because remember, there's no guarantee they're going to, you know, win against uh, Buffalo and there's no guarantee they'll win the Super Bowl. And so that's a lot of risk. And I'm not seeing a lot of reward. They may just simply say, hey, <clears throat> we'll come back strong in 2021. I agree and with you guys. That. Yeah, I agree with you guys. I, I think they, I think you shut them down, go with your backup, and don't risk your franchise quarterback that you just signed to a ten-year contract for millions and millions of dollars. I don't, I don't think you, you go that route. I think you let him sit out this game and then try to do the best you can. And if you don't win, you move on. As far as my thoughts on the Green Bay Tampa Bay game, <laughs> I like Tampa Bay in this game. I like Tom Brady with all of those weapons that he didn't have here in New England at wide receiver, at at tight end. Well, he had Gronk here. But if he had had a Mike Evans with with Julian Edelman, come on now. He's got all the weapons to go up into Green Bay and take this game from Aaron Rodgers. And let's remember, people, let's remember, everybody talks about all of these championship games and stuff that Aaron Rodgers has been at, but some of Aaron Rodgers' worst performances have come in NFC title games. Let's not forget that also. And again, as we said, under COVID, no fans in the stadiums. So you got to play mistake-free football, which is what we saw with Buffalo and which we what we saw with Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay had four takeaways against New Orleans. Four. And that's why where they are today. If Tampa Bay can go up to Lambeau Field and have them turn over this ball and put pressure on Aaron Robinson with that defense as they've been doing, and force him to throw picks, it's going to be Tampa Bay all day, all day. So we're going to tune in, make sure we check it out. A lot of people in the chat, even though we're, you know, a lot of people talk about not being pass fans anymore, a lot of people are rooting for for Tampa Bay, you know, and it would be nice to see Tampa Bay to play a Super Bowl in their home stadium. Um, It'd be great. It'd be honest to say that. Also in Super Bowl news in the sports booth, uh, Coca-Cola is joining Pepsi in sitting out the Super Bowl ads uh, for this upcoming Super Bowl. Why? Because we all know that last year's Super Bowl, one of the biggest complaints was that because we were under all this stuff that was beginning to happen and go on, COVID hadn't really hit yet, but we still had all of this other stuff going on. Um, Coca-Cola and them have decided that they are now sitting out the Super Bowl ads for this year. And they usually bring some of the best ads. So it's going to be interesting to see who fills that void during the Super Bowl this year. Also in Super Bowl news, Eric Church, country singer and R&B singer Jasmine Sullivan, they're going to join to sing the national anthem at this year's Super Bowl. And her, H period, E period, R E period, she is going to sing America the Beautiful at the Super Bowl this year. And they will be joining The Weeknd, who will be performing the halftime show. And then most of us who understand The Weeknd and his music and his videos will be explaining at the water cooler, what the hell his halftime show was all about to those who don't know what the weekend is. Um, but now we're going to head into the legal booth, and which is why I've got these guys on tonight. We're talking about the inauguration, which is about to happen tomorrow. These guys were on with me on January 7th, the day after the insurrection. We broke down a lot of that discussion, which is leading to this stuff tonight. And the first thing I want to talk about is the NRA, which we had talked about on this show was in trouble with the state of New York. There were some serious lawsuits coming for their asses up in New York. Um, And the NRA has done what we kind of all foreseen. 
they're going to file for bankruptcy and they're going to relocate in Texas and reopen and organize under a whole different name. Now, I remember I squared, you kind of hinted at this when we talked about the lawsuit and you were kind of, I don't want to say disgusted, but you kind of said this was the template and this is what they, where they were headed. And when I shared this in the chat, you said no surprise. So I'm gonna let you jump right in on this one. Well, what I mean by that, and I, and they're in such a weakened condition right now that it may be much harder for them to succeed than, than other uh, entities that, that can pull this off. But, you know, they, just, they were incorporated in New York like so many other corporate and nonprofit entities, and they got themselves in trouble by fraud. They, they were being sued by their creditors. Uh, you know, yes, they, they, they have some legal issues with the attorney general, but most of the cases against them are civil cases by their creditors and others for the fraud that they've committed. And we talked about this on the show years ago uh, and, and on, on at least – multiple occasions, I guess I'd say, uh, you know, with, with some of the wasteful spending that they had, where they squandered millions of dollars on stuff that had nothing to do with their mission and, and what have you. So, you know, this isn't about their, their, their political viewpoints or anything like that. This is about their gross mismanagement of money. And so they put themselves in legal jeopardy by their creditors. Their creditors are, are not going to let them go quietly because, uh, number one, uh, you know, the, they obviously want their money, but more importantly, the reason that the NRA is, isn't able to pay them, if that's the case, uh, is because of fraud, not because they went out of business. I mean, they should go out of business, but the issue is that they engaged in financial fraud. And so, you know, that's that that's the challenge. And I, I don't know how much people are paying attention to that because they hear NRA, they're thinking about, you know, ideology behind uh, gun safety legislation and, and things like that, lobbying, what have you. That's not really what this is about. Uh, this is this is purely about fraudulent financial dealings uh, on, on behalf of the NRA. And so, you know, the only way that they could escape liability was go to a place with friendlier liability laws and try to escape the jurisdiction of not just New York, but anybody and any 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 that. Uh, you know, that holds people to account for their mismanagement, which, which, you know, it's a shame that Texas would let them do something differently because fraud is fraud is fraud. It has nothing to do with who it is and, and how it's done. It's fraud. Ken, I'm going to ask you this because I know you guys went back and forth in our private chat on the whole legal aspect of this. And guys, yeah. let's remember that the NRA I, is almost the equivalent at one time was almost the equivalent of lobbyists like tobacco lobbyists. The NRA was right up there on the front steps. So, Ken, your thoughts, because you guys kind of went back and forth on this one. Absolutely. I think it's very, it's, yeah, it's very important to understand what they're doing. They're doing what we call a Chapter 11 reorganization. And it's very important to understand that means is the, or the company or the entity is trying to reorganize their debt. This requires, this is the most important thing, and R-Square alluded to it, the cooperation of your creditors. What happens in a Chapter 11 is basically you get either something called the Committee of Creditors, and they generally come, uh, consist of the 10 to 20 largest creditors of the entity. And you sit down in a room with the member of the U.S. Office of the Trustee. There's an office called the United States Office of the. Uh, excuse me, the Office of the United States Trustee. Excuse me, one of their representatives, and you try to work out a deal between the parties. The problem with the Chapter 11 bankruptcy is you really don't have. If you're the debtor as an IRA, you have very little choice of what your creditors want. They tell you what to do. 
And one of the things is if they tell you you're not leaving for Texas, you don't leave for Texas. You can't leave for Texas without their permission, and they're not going to let you do it. The other thing you got to remember is, as our squirrel will back me up, the NRA is a nonprofit, which means they are supervised by the charitable division of the AG's office, which means the AG is going to have a seat at that table. If you think the AG is letting them uh, get down to Texas, you're out of your freaking mind. This is going to be another one of the things of blood on the floor. There's been incredible financial mismanagement. And there's also something called we call the uh, clawback provisions. What that means is any debt, any, any uh, payment made to what they call the principal, which means any of the major officers, directors, or shareholders within the past year, the bankruptcy filing can be clawed back, which means any money given to Wayne LaPierre and any of those cronies, they have to give it back. So Wayne LaPierre would have to actually repay the NRA for any money he got, which is at the crux of this. I don't think the NRA is going to survive. I honestly mm-hmm. don't think they're going to let them go to Texas because mm-hmm. not because they are ready. They're going. They wanted the dissolution and their assets seized and dissolved. That's why they tried to file for bankruptcy, and they may not survive. I really don't think they're going to be able to survive. This is a laxist effort to hopefully to get to a safe harbor, but this is the bankruptcy equivalent of a hail mary pass in football. If you if you do it, you're a freaking genius. But the chances of you getting successfully are very small. So this could be it for the NRA. The most important thing to understand is when the NRA goes bankrupt, whatever their assets are become the property of the U.S. trustee. Now, one of the biggest things the NRA has other than their war chest is their mailing list. All those members, that intellectual property becomes the property of the U.S. trustee or i.e. the U.S. government, including all their files and all their emails and all of their dirty little secrets are now going to become the property of the U.S. trustee, which can give it to the U.S. attorney's office or the state AG's office. I'm not so sure I would want to be on the receiving to be let the uh, U.S. attorney's office come and walk around my files via the NRA. So I think that was a really big mistake they made. So my question is too is I heard a couple of people that that deal with uh, gun clubs and stuff, and a lot of gun clubs are worried about this. Is this because the NRA donates money to a lot of gun clubs? Is that what this worry is? No. What the big problem with the gun clubs is the NRA has okay. This goes into liability. Every single gun club has to be insured. You have to have liability insurance. Because they are a gun club, most major insurance companies will not write a policy. In fact, there's maybe three out there. The NRA is one of the few entities that will write insurance policies for these gun clubs at a reasonable rate. If they go bankrupt and lose their license ability to insure, all these clubs are going to have to go out and buy insurance on the Whoa. open market, which, will, which is incredibly <laughs> expensive. So a lot of these gun clubs may have to go bankrupt themselves because they can't afford insurance because gun clubs are required to carry liability insurance. And if they don't do that, they lose their license to operate. So that's why these gun clubs are are very, very nervous. How's it going, Chris Gagney? I see you in the chat. Asquid, you want to add on to that? Oh, I I was just going to say about Wayne LaPierre. Energy. Let's remember, he's known this was coming for years because he's the one behind the fraud and the mismanagement, and he's certainly aware of the creditors' demands and everything else. And so 
Wayne LaPierre will not be inside the United States borders when this comes to a head. He's already got an exit strategy, and the money that he's received from the NRA has already been hidden. And I understand that they can do forensic accounting and try to get it, but I guarantee he's put it in places where that would be very difficult to do. So, you know, you've got issues with the leadership, but that's the whole nature of people who, you know, instead of a a legitimate business that's trying to survive and, and, and do its job to make money for its shareholders and what have you, the people leading the NRA, Wayne LaPierre specifically, are, are not, you know, legitimate business people who are trying to make money for their shareholders and keep the business afloat. They they know what they've done. Uh, they know that the jig is up, and and they're just trying to escape. So it, that, that that's why I'm skeptical as to you know exactly how much this is going to play out the way it's supposed to because of the nature of these individuals. Mm-hmm. All right. So we're going to move on to the next topic here because we got a lot of stuff to talk about. AmericanThinker.com. American Thinker is a media outlet who have now released a lengthy apology letter to Dominion. If you guys don't know what Dominion is, you've been under a rock. Dominion is the company that creates and makes and oversees the software for the voting systems that are nationwide, pretty much around most big places around the world. Um, what has happened here is is a $23 billion lawsuit for defamation, libel, all of this stuff for all of those people, companies and outlets who talked all of this fake news in regards to the election being fixed. There was no proof. There was not one shred of evidence that this election was fixed at the end of the day. And Dominion doesn't want their name tarnished. They are now delivering, pretty much hand-delivering letters straight to companies and people like Sidney Powell, um, O-A-N-N, Newsmax, they're all being delivered these letters of cease and desist and whatever else it says in there. You guys would know what it really says in there. But whatever they sent to American Thinker, who has been pumping the wheels of fake news and pumping the wheels of a fixed election, they turned around and put a whole full public apology out explaining that they have, been, you know, they put the deflammatory statements out there and they fully apologize I'm going to let the legal guys explain kind of what's happened here. Pretty much Ken. I'm going to let Ken, because Ken has a great way of saying some stuff sometimes as far as getting their butts kicked or whatever. Ken, in in your terms, man, what happened here with Dominion and American Thinker releasing that big-ass long public apology? (laughs) Okay. Let me explain to you something called libel and slander and defamation of business opinion. Okay, those are three torts. One is spoken, one is written, and then one attacks the reputation of a business. If you go out there and say a statement that you know or should know is markedly false, you can get your ass sued in a million ways. The problem is you're right. Now, a lot of these places were basing on, well, I'm just exercising my First Amendment right to say things even if they're not necessarily correct under the absent malice standard. What that means is under absent malice, unless you have malice towards someone, even if you say something that's wrong, you can't be sued. Guess what? Because of the most recent statements of the court filings, and this is what gets is going to get them screwed up. Everybody who said that there was fraud, all these all these lawsuits come and said, no, we're not alleging there was fraud. That's not true. That's absolutely uh, crap. We're not saying there was fraud. Well, there you go. Once they said that, everybody who said anything after that, 
they now meet the the acted with malice, and now they are trying to backpedal because they're about to get their asses sued. They've lost their First Amendment protection, and all those ridiculous statements. Okay, now it's time to put up or shut up. But if you can't put up, <laughs> you're going to be shut up, as we used to say back in Jersey. And let me tell you something. I wouldn't want to be the GC of any of these companies right now with all the tea in China because you're about to get your ass handed to, to you. Ah, Squid, your thoughts on this? Because, like I said, it was a hilarious letter to read. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm not even sure I could add to what Ken just said. It was 100% correct. I I would just say by matter of comment that it is clear that every one of these news outlets knew the truth and printed the lies. And that, to me, puts them in in jeopardy, you know, and – and even if they could claim that they didn't know, which I don't believe is true, I believe they did know the truth, uh, and, and I think there's evidence to support that, they, they acted with such extreme reckless disregard for the truth that that's as bad as if they knew it. And, and so, you know, under the theory that Ken laid out, they're in deep doo-doo, and, and they know it. And uh, so now all of a sudden <laughs> they're, 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 they're apologizing, they're, they're, they're what have you, some of them anyway. And here's the thing. The damage has been done. Dominion, there were two companies. Uh, Dominion's one of two companies, but they, mm-hmm. they got it the worst, it appears. And the damage has been done. They lost contracts over this because companies reached out to them and said, wait a minute, we hear all of these problems from the United States that your companies interfered with the you know accurate data collection from the election results. And so we, we think we're going to go with somebody else or what have you. Well, there you go. There you go. That's millions of dollars in damages right there. I mean, it, it, this, this, I, I've never practiced in this particular area of law, but I think it would be the easiest thing for a brand new <laughs> law student to be able to win this case because you, you, you've got one of the most egregious uh, factual standards. I mean, factual predicates here with companies. And again, I think, you know, they, 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 they knew the truth and they printed the opposite. And so I, they're exposed. Everything can set. Mm. Yeah, we're going to keep an eye on this because I'm pretty sure more and more stories are going to come out. Moving on in the booth, and we're going to get into this now. This is still keeping on the same kind of path that we're on. Parler, the app, which Apple and Google shut down, <clears throat> to me, they kind of just contradicted themselves in a the big way, the CEO. So when they lost Apple and Google and everybody else for their app to work on, you know, the CEO said, I don't know why this is happening, why everybody's against us. We're just a 100% freedom of speech app, blah, 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 blah. What stuck out to me in that whole rant that he put out there was that he said that his lawyers that represent Parler had left the company, representing the company, days, many days before Google and all of them did. So for me, I like to read everything thoroughly and then think and say, wait a minute here. Lawyers just don't leave representing a company unless they know something is really bad or not right. So that let me believe that there was more than meets the eye here with this Parler app. Now, he said in his interview, he said that, you know, he's about 100% free speech, but he's not about this far right rhetoric and blah, blah, blah. But then what happens? Parler moves to Epic. It's a domain register known for hosting far-right extremist content. So now you've just completely contradicted yourself by going to a domain register and server who is going to host your whatever 
with that same attitude and mentality that you said you were not part of that. So again, that contradicts itself, but it leads into more problems. As you see here, parlor is now part of a data breach. And now there's a possibility that archive posts from the Capitol riots could reveal the platform's role in the insurrection on January 6th. In other words, if they realized that people co-inspired or, or instructed or planned anything through that app with their instant messaging. And this is where it comes into play. People, this is why Twitter does what it does. This is why Facebook does what it was. You're liable for what the app does on your server. So if people did co-conspire and do the things they did on the 6th through the Parler app, while they were on Google, Apple, and all these other servers, all of those servers are liable, which is why they monitor their content and shut people down if they're doing stuff that they're not supposed to do at the end of the day. If this parlor breach, and look, it takes it takes a long time for parlor breaches, data breaches info to get out there, which means this data breach happened prior. So we're going to see what's going to happen here. The truth now is going to come out. This data breach is probably the reason why the lawyers left parlor and stopped representing them before the news even came out that everybody else was dumping them. I got the two attorneys right here. I'm going to ask them, does this data breach story now let you guys believe as lawyers is this is why the lawyers left this company long before Apple and everybody else jumped ship. You think they knew something? Ask squid. You know, I'm just going to make two points. And, and yeah, the lawyers left because it was a sinking ship and they knew it. But here's, here are the two points that I want to make. And, and here's an analogy because a lot of people are trying to say about, you know, these, these uh, social media sites and what have you and, and trying to make some, some false claim of censorship and some false claim of freedom of speech. So let me paint a picture that I think this, this is, it might, might help people. Let's take your favorite newspaper, the newspaper that you say, you know, prints really excellent quality articles and excellent quality editorials and, and you think very highly of it and you know and then let's say on january 4th the proud boys uh paid for a full page ad to run on january 5th telling everybody to go to the capitol on the 6th because we're gonna blank 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 right just you know the, the Talk about, about the insurrection and the plans, what have you. And, and so uh, the newspaper prints it, and then January 6th happens, and then people go after the newspaper, and they say, uh-uh, we, it wasn't our article or our editorial. We just got paid to run a full-page ad. We're not responsible for it. That's a load of crap. They ran a full-page ad that they saw in advance that talked about insurrection, that they knew was going to incite violence, and they had an obligation to not run it. That's the, and that's exactly what is going on with these sites. They can't say it wasn't us. It was somebody posting, uh, you know, on our Facebook, on their Facebook page, uh, on their Twitter account, on their parlor account, on their whatever. No, you cannot do that. It is not. It is not censorship. It is. It is your obligation as a platform, just like a newspaper, just like a TV outlet, that you are responsible for the content that goes out via your service. And if you are allowing people to, you know, incite an insurrection or, or any type of criminal activity for that matter, you risk liability for that. You are liable for that. You have an obligation to not 
support that directly or indirectly. Um, now, obviously, there you could get into some nuanced situations, you know, where it's less clear, but not about this. This is very clear what was going on. And so, uh, you know, how did all these people know to show up? And, and like you said, how did they know to come with their military gear that you were talking about at the beginning of the show? How did they know to come with their, you know, with, with firearms? How did they need how did they know, need to know to come with slip ties? How did they go on tours the day before that Josh Harley, Ted Cruz, and, and, and you know, the rest of the Sedition Caucus in the House of Representatives uh, literally took them around and showed them all the sensitive places that you're not allowed to show people. So, you know, this was all something that was done. And the people that facilitated that, any social media outlet that facilitated that uh, is responsible. Uh, that is not free speech. That is criminal activity. And it's as simple as that. And I'm going to stop with that. Ken? You want to add? I see you nodding, man. You want to get in? Absolutely. Uh, first of all, first of all, whatever whatever R Square said is was absolutely and completely correct as usual. And I'm going to add a little bit. And if I'm a bit repetitive, I do apologize. Number one, let's talk about. And I cannot stress this enough. This is not a public forum. It's a private forum. Okay. This isn't the town square. This is a private forum owned by a private company. They have the absolute right to decide what, if anything, shows up on their site. If you use YouTube or Facebook or TikTok or whatever, they all have use and terms which you have got to agree to sign and abide by. They can determine what does and does not show up on their site. And no one can say, boo. Okay? So let's start with that. It's not censorship because there's no government action. Number two, if you knowingly aid and abet either before, after the fact, a criminal act, you are liable as if you complete you you did that act yourself. It is called the joint venture theory. For example, if I give Sinister One a handgun and cop killing bullets and a magazine and a map to R-squared's house, and his schedule, and the door codes to his house. And then Sinister One goes and kills R-squared, I'm liable <laughs> for murder, even though I never left the state of Mass the Commonwealth <clears throat> of Massachusetts. Okay? Because I gave him the instrumentality of the crime. And that's exactly what these folks on parlor did now as to getting to your question since the one do i think these lawyers knew what was coming yes i think they did i think look they could read the writing on the wall they're not stupid people i don't know if they knew about the data breach maybe they did maybe they didn't i don't want to call into someone else's head but i think they knew what was coming and said oh my god we're we don't want to be anywhere near this place when it blows up and here's another important point that i would like to raise that the parlor is now being stored off-site, off-country servers. And can you guess what country they're serving <clears throat> uh, servers they're using? Anybody want to guess? Russia. I'm assuming. You are so freaking smart. <laughs> now, with all the worry about <clears throat> the big tech, somehow a foreign country hosting servers – for a group of people that facilitated a armed insurrection, I'm very careful what the words say is armed insurrection in our nation's capital i think this would bother some people oh i don't know maybe somebody in the national security establishment 
I don't know, maybe some people are worried about our republic. Hey, that's just me, the radical liberal that I am, the Bernie bro that I am. What can I say? Yeah, it's crazy stuff. It's crazy stuff. And like I said, you know, a lot of people were throwing out their freedom of speech. We threw that under the bus. So also moving on in the legal booth, there's a list of police officers and other public employees arrested in the connection to the Capitol riot. The last I had checked, there were 29 police officers arrested who invaded the Capitol riot. 15 of them have been charged. Now, some of these people are new to this list, and I think they, they need to be mentioned. And as these numbers rise from the day of insurrection, the alarming aspect of the fact that these are police and public officials and some of these are military, I saw a person this weekend, Mr. Johnson, who was the former head of Homeland Security, he had said eight years ago they had a chance to nip this in the bud, but the Republican Party didn't want to put the funds or the money into this. But they knew eight years ago that the white supremacist groups and militias were a growing problem in this country. We go back to Tim McVeigh. We go back to the David Koresh's. We go back to most of these mass shooter events that have happened in this country over the years. Um, 2021 could very well be the year that I hate to say this, but it could be this generation's David Koresh and Timothy McVeigh standoffs when they go after these white supremacist groups and these militias. But here's the scary thing, people. As he said, this was eight years ago, and I squared it said this has been, the, and, and Kenneth said this has been going on for 40 years. A lot of these people have been training for years on their militia private properties with weapons like AR-15s, M-16s, and whatever weapons that they've been able to buy or stockpile or get their hands on. And as I had said, back in March and in April and during the Kentucky Derby, I had pointed out this whole hashtag double standard in March when I went on this rant and Ken joined me when they first stormed the, the, the Michigan State Capitol and me and Ken went live and we talked about this is a dangerous situation. We need to address this now. A lot of people didn't pay attention. And here we are with what has is now happened. They have now stormed our nation's capital under the same type of group of people who stormed Michigan and also have plotted to kidnap Governor Whitmer and also kidnap the governor of, uh, I believe it was Virginia, they, Mr. Lynch, I think his name is, um, they had looked to conspire to kidnap them and hold them accountable for how they were dealing with COVID. The scary thing here is, like I said, a lot of these people are trained. And they have been able to stockpile a crap load of weapons. Um, like Patrick Goldstone said, too, a lot of these people, great jobs, great benefits, pensions, and so forth. Um, as we're seeing with some of these people who are caught that I'm going to mention, um, the military is already talking about taking some of these people's pensions away um, as we look into it. Let's look at guy one here. Capitol Rider threatened to shoot his kids if he told the FBI about his D.C. trip. Guy Refritz is a businessman who went with several other businessmen to Texas. They went to the Capitol. They rioted in the Capitol. They went into the Capitol. They were on social media. Um, and when the FBI went to question his wife and family about him, his wife broke down. His wife said that when he had come home, he had bragged about it. Um, his kids were not happy about it. They were scared. And he told his kids his exact words. If you turn me in, you're a traitor. And you know what happens to traitors. 
traders get shot is allegedly what he said to his kids this is coming from his wife thoughts on that ask with yeah look first of all i i don't care what excuses they come up with i don't care if they were brainwashed i don't care if they were manipulated i don't care if they believed that the election was stolen i don't care about any of that because there is no defense to what they did it was outright criminal activity it was an armed interaction it was sedition uh, and, and the fact that it was a false predicate only makes it worse. Uh, and, and whether they chose not to believe that, whether they chose to put faith in Donald Trump, who you know set the record for how many lies you could tell in a, in a week, in a month, in a year, and in four years as a president, uh, and they chose to believe him, that, that's on them. They were willfully blind. There is no defense to what they did. Now, uh, as we have been discussing, you know, since this is 100% pure criminality, as well as, you know, the additional crimes of sedition and insurrection, of course, they should lose their jobs. Of course, every employer who knows who it is should fire them. Because here's the thing, right? Let's say, you know, they, some people say, well, but, but you know, I, 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 I'm a truck driver. I, I work in a, in a factory. I, I do this, that. It has nothing to do with politics. You know what? By participating in this, you have proven yourself to be a threat. You're a threat to your company. You're a threat to the public because of what you did. You engaged in violent criminality. You engaged in an act of war against your government. Why should anybody trust you and think that you belong in whatever workplace that happens to be? You've already proven that you resort to violence when you have an issue with something, even an illegitimate issue as it may be. So why wouldn't you get fired? Why shouldn't you be fired because of what you've done? You know, there are people, they, get, they go out and get a DUI, they get fired. People get fired for all kinds of criminality. This is among the most serious forms of criminality. Uh, and, and remember what it is that they were trying to do. They didn't succeed, but they were trying to assassinate and hang Mike Pence. They built a gallows to hang Mike Pence. They were going to kill Nancy Pelosi, maybe with the same gallows, maybe not. They were going to do all kinds of things. Thankfully, they didn't do it. So what, is that supposed to, are they supposed to get some kind of special dispensation because they didn't actually commit the, the murders that they were going to commit as part of this atrocity? No. Every employer should fire immediately anybody, whether they're prosecuted or not, anybody that they can tie to this event. It's that simple. There's no reason not to. Any employer that doesn't do it is irresponsible and should be sued by the remaining employees for failure to protect them. And, and so when you look at the police and the military, those are positions that are especially sensitive. They are positions of trust. You know, trust by society. They are supposed to be the protectors of society. When they engage in this type of, of uh, anti, you know, anti-government uh, in, insurrection, violence, what have you, uh, for them to do that is the ultimate betrayal of that trust. It exacerbates the criminality that they engaged in because of the positions that they hold, and they definitely can't be trusted. I mean, when you violate the law like that, you certainly can't be entrusted to uphold it. When you violate the national security of this country uh, and violate our democracy, you can't be – obviously, the oath you took to defend it meant nothing to you. You lied when you raised your right hand. Police, military, whatever, you all lied when you raised your right hand because you didn't mean it. What were you, did you have your other hand with the fingers crossed behind your back or something silly like that? And, and so – they whatever happens to them is not enough 
because they, you know we've talked about this on on January seventh when we when we came on to talk about all this. Uh, they they need to be prosecuted to to within an inch of their lives, if not if not executed ultimately for those who may have committed capital crimes. I'm not sure that we that we have a, an actual capital crime. Well, we do. We have felony murder, but you know what I'm saying. There, there, there's not a clear cut case for a lot of people, but they should get whatever the maximum could be is what they deserve. And um, and so for those that were in the military, for example. Uh, yeah, darn right. They need to be prosecuted. They, should be, they need to be court-martialed, and, and as a result of the court-martial, they would, you know, they would be, uh, you know, if, if, if officers would be dismissed from the service and, and enlisted would be discharged with the dishonorable discharge, same same type of equivalency, where you lose all of your benefits, and that's what they deserve. I don't care if they had one year in. I don't care if they had twenty-five years in. They deserve to lose everything because of the betrayal that they that they did and the seriousness of the crimes that they did. And, and so what scares me more, and I'll stop because I, I don't want to monopolize this, this mm. topic here, but what, what scares me more than anything is that is that this did happen in such large numbers, that there were so many law enforcement and so many military there. And people who say, oh, wait, there were only, you know, 25 police officers there out of out of hundreds. And, and there were only, you know, 25, you know, military people out of hundreds. Well, you know what? One is too many because that tells you that there's an insider threat, and an insider threat is always more dangerous than anything else because you can't see it coming, and you don't know who it is, and you don't know how nefarious and sinister their plot is. And so the very fact that there could be people like this serving in uniform that aren't loyal to the United States and aren't loyal to their brothers and sisters in arms, but are loyal to these extremist terrorist groups should scare the living daylights out of everybody, whether you're in the military or not, because that is a, that is an absolute clear threat. And the last point I'm going to make, and I'll stop, we can come back to this afterwards if you want, but mm -hmm. this is not a new problem. When I was a brand new officer in the United States Army in the mid-1990s, early to mid-1990s, I raised concerns about extremist groups in the military. I was interviewed by a member of the Secretary of the Army doing an investigation on it because uh, of evidence that I had of extremism, of the presence of extremism. We've known about this for the longest time. We've known about it for 30 plus years and we haven't done anything about it. We've made false attempts to do something. Now the Pentagon's saying, well, we're gonna, we're gonna do something about this. We're gonna try to figure out how to you know, get the extremists out of our ranks. You know what? I don't believe it. We need to do it. We need to do it badly, but I'm not going to trust the Pentagon to do it this time. Ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> and I got so I got some for Ken here. I'm going to let Ken add on to this. But here we go. Here, another one. We got another one. Another one. Mark Sahady, who's here in Massachusetts, he is the founder of the Boston Straight Parade, Pride Parade, and he is also seen in this picture with Natick politician Sue Iannini. They were arrested for the Capitol siege, <laughs> and um, he is in a lot of trouble. He is one of the guys that set up this whole thing that wouldn't allow lesbians and gays to march in the South, South Boston St. Paddy's Day Parade. Just a lot of hate was being spewed there. And, you know, we're here now with a politician who represents her city council, Ken, who's a, you know, a politician guy, you know, you've done your time helping out with Democrats and all this stuff and voting and elections. Your thoughts? Uh, she's now crying the sea of salt and woe <laughs> as to her now being asked to step down from her position in Natick, you know, which is a money town. Again, it's a 
cushy money town, but your thoughts real quick on that, Ken. Oh, I think she absolutely should step down. If you don't want to participate in the civil discourse, then fine. Go someplace where you can, you know, run your own country, like Afghanistan or North Korea. We don't even pretend to have free and fair elections. Look, every single person who participated in this deserves to be punished. And let me tell you something. There are consequences to your actions. For example, both Robert and I have a professional law license. Even if we are not convicted of a crime, we can lose that license if we do stupid stuff. We can lose our license even for non-criminal activity. So, mm. Mr. White, you were involved in the transportation industry for, what, 30 years? Still, still You can involved. lose your job for non-criminal offenses. Mm-hmm. Still involved. For example, if <clears throat> you in Massachusetts, if a restraining order is to get out against you, you lose your LTC or your right to bear firearms, even if the conduct that you're accused of had nothing to do with your firearm and, and you weren't criminally prosecuted. Think about that. I am sorry. All these people who are crying, good. Now you know how like it feels. This country bathed you, fed you, protected you, gave you a great job, and this is the way you repay it? Sorry. There's no right to be to have a job. A job is an honor and a privilege. You know how many times I represent people who've been fired from really good positions for total numbskullery, which had nothing to do with their job? I had a guy one time, I'll never forget this, worked as an accountant for one of the big six law firms. For whatever reason, this guy had a secret fantasy that he wanted to be a porn star. God only knows why. Just, you know, he was a fairly decent looking guy. I mean, you know, wasn't, you know. So he shot a number of amateur porns with some friends and were selling them, uh, you know, out of the back back of his car. This is prior pre internet stuff, okay? He hadn't done anything wrong. He had shot the porn in his own residence with his own camera on his own time. Nothing to do with his job. There was no way to tell he was in any way involved with this firm unless he knew the guy personally. Yet they fired him. They fired him because it violated their 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 employee conduct policy, even though the activities he did were on his own time. We sued. We lost. But the court ruled that, the, that no, they had the right to limit certain outside activity who they felt would damage their brand. And while, you know, acting in pornography probably is not the smartest thing anybody's had done, but it isn't like they try to overthrow the government. They <laughs> did was perfectly legal. The people he was doing with were adults. They're over the age of 18. They're all consenting. So that's all I got to say about that. Well, we you see know, this a lot. We see bad. this a lot with also, um, teachers. We see a lot of teachers losing their job for posting yep. skimpy pictures on Instagram or social media. That's been the new thing with, you know, teachers are supposed to represent the school and represent their position and anything yeah. that's deemed sexual or whatever they have, you've been seeing it across the country. Right. They're losing their jobs for it. Um, and you have to be yeah. very, as a, as a matter of fact, uh, just to show how times have changed. When I was growing up in New Jersey in the seventies and eighties, there were three things that could get you, could get you, get your, uh, 
to get you fired and even lose your tenure. The first one was if you lied in your application about your degrees, or your qualifications. You know, you said you had a BA or an MA and you didn't. Number two was any type of criminal offense involving a minor. Not just a criminal offense, it had to be involving a minor. And number three was being gay, believe it or not. Which is now protected. In, in the 70s and 80s, if you were a homosexual, you, you were deemed to be a threat to the students and you could be fired. Wow. Which was very important because there was a there was a couple who worked in the school system. One was an English teacher, one was a reading resource person, who were lovers. They lived together. Now everybody knew this. This was the worst kept secret in the world. I mean, I swear <laughs> to God, how bad it was. I knew about it, and if I knew about it, that's how bad it was. But because they were great teachers, because everyone thought this was the most ridiculous rule, everyone said, "Well, the superintendent, you say unless I have some evidence, I can't fire them on a rumor." The mere fact that he knew about it, he'd been to their house for holiday parties. But there was no evidence he couldn't – he felt I couldn't fire them because I had no evidence. Matter of fact, there's rumors – but believe it or not, that was a legitimate reason to terminating someone and making them lose their tenure. Now, that's, times have changed, of course. Good for that. But yeah. So. Wow. Jeannie Silver is in the chat. Jeannie Silver. Jean Silver. How's it going? She's in the chat. She is uh, an adult film star. Um Giving the props for joining the chat tonight. Deb Orwin is in the chat. We got a lot of people in the chat right now hanging out with us. And um, I'm going to finish out this topic that we're talking about here. And we're going to show these guys. We got a couple more. Another one. Another one. Retired Pennsylvania firefighter, 55. He was arrested for throwing a fire extinguisher at the cops during the Capitol riots. Uh, But he is not the guy who hit Brian Sicknick, the officer who died from his injuries with a fire extinguisher. But this is a gentleman. He's a retired firefighter uh, from Pennsylvania. Even though he had a Chicago fire department hat on, he's not from Chicago. He's from Pennsylvania. They've already said that this man is possibly about to lose his benefits and uh, not good for him. Another one. Another one. Two cops, including a trained sniper, they were arrested for taking part in the Capitol insurrection. Pictured in this picture, Jacob Fracker and Thomas Robertson. One of them is a sniper for the uh, Virginia, I want to say, I forget which which county it was, but they were officers who still work. They were still employed at one time, but guess what? They've lost their jobs. They're not working anymore. They're under fire. And I've seen people on social media saying, oh, this is just part of cancel culture. They canceled their culture because they were... Like we've all said here, we're not going to spin a broken record here. This has nothing to do with freedom of speech. It's a, it's a crime what these people committed, and and that's it. That's you know said and done. Another one, and in another one, uh, Kevin Seafried, who carried the Confederate flag into the Capitol during the Trump fueled riot, was arrested with his son. Now this man, and I I'm confused on this one. I'm going to try to let one of these guys legally explain this one real quick. Kevin Seafried carried the Confederate flag into the Capitol. It disgusts me. I'm upset about it. I think it's completely asinine and and ignorant. But I am hearing that there are a whole slew of extra charges that can be brought against them for having and bringing that Confederate... Anyone who brought Confederate flags into the Capitol, what are these extra charges and what is the representation of that? I'll start with R-squared first on on this one. 
Yeah, you know, I, I haven't looked specifically at that because at a minimum, you know, the, the lowest possible charge they could bring would be a trespass or a vandalism type of a charge. And that doesn't necessarily mean bringing the, the flag in per se. Uh, one of the other possibilities is, of course, that the flag would technically constitute a dangerous weapon because of the pole and, and, and the sharpness and what have you that they may have, you know, they, they brought weapons in in violation of those rules. And so that would apply even to the U.S. flags that they brought in. Uh, so there, there are a couple of different things. And, and, and then the, the other thing that it could be is whether it constitutes a hate crime, uh, whether or not that whether or not that flag uh, would, would, you know, uh, the way that they were, were using the flag constitutes a hate crime because of its association with white mm-hmm. supremacy and, and the Klan and and uh, and that type of thing. So, you know, there, there are some theories there, but let's face it, there are far more serious things we need to be looking at. That offended me to see that, of course, for many different reasons to include the white supremacy issue of it. But uh, quite frankly, I, I think there are far more greater charges that I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing. Ken, Ken, you look like you're leaning towards this hate crime thing. You were, you started not actually. Your head uh, yes, he's right about that, but it's even more basic than that because I called a friend of mine because I was mm-hmm. a, little, a friend of mine is a federal prosecutor, and I said, uh, "Hate crime?" He goes, "No, apparently there is civil war legislation that have almost never been enforced, but apparently it was passed in the opening days of the civil war that if you." had a confederate flag and you brought it to a federal building and and, and this is a key thing and for the purposes of of rebellion or insurrection you can be charged with a separate crime so that's what they can get them on wow so we're going to civil war legislation because at that point they were concerned concerned about the border states turning against kentucky uh Pennsylvania, a bunch of other uh, about turning, so they made it illegal for you to bring a Confederate flag because that the other problem is they're having is it's not a Confederate flag. That's a battle flag, and they're having battle some flag. big problems yeah. because that the flag they have is, is the is a battle flag of Northern the Army, of Northern Virginia. The Confederacy had three flags. The first one was the Stars and Bars. The second one was the Stainless Banner. The third, the third national flag, and the the latter two had the St. Andrew's Cross, which is the Virginia battle flag, in the right-hand corner. That flag is actually a flag of an army, so it may not qualify under that statute, which is technically not a Confederate flag. It is a flag of one of the armies. and they're But technically, you bring a flag into a federal building during a time of instruction, you can be, you can be prosecuted as if it was treason. Well, so that's, that's and that's my point that, that this is about an insurrection. So who the, who the hell cares if they want to add in about the flag? They they committed insurrection. There's no more right. serious charge you can right. bring. So, gotcha. Right. Oh, cool, cool, good, good explanation there. Thank you guys. Uh, moving on into the Trump troubles, Biden bombshells. Uh, moving trucks arrived in Mar-a-Lago today, and Trump gave his farewell speech. Before we close out the show, I'll give you guys a little snippet from his farewell speech, but um. This is this is oh, it. Must do. This I'm is sorry. the last. Did I say that <laughs> this is the last segment of Trump troubles. Next week it will be completely Biden bombshells. No more Trump troubles. As I said, the moving trucks arrived in Mar-a-Lago today, bringing stuff from the White House. Uh, Joe Biden picked a transgender woman to assist the health secretary that he hired, Rachel Levine. She will be the first transgender woman um, to work in in the highest level of government. 
Um, and as I said, Biden and Harris tomorrow are preparing for their inaugurations under extra tight, super <laughs> DC security is, is our squid. And these guys said, nobody wants to drop the ball like they did on the six. Um, and as we get ourselves to this point here, I'm going to go around the, the horn and let these guys talk about where we are at as a country and what really needs to be done as these two prepare to take on an unspeakable task of repairing this country. Um, it is definitely going to take unity and everybody to work together because the damage that has been caused by Donald Trump in these four years and this last six months alone has probably set Joe Biden back the first two years of his term, depending on how he wants to proceed with all of this. There's a, you know, as I said, I watched someone this weekend on TV say that white supremacy and militias have now jumped to the top of the list of Homeland Security. To the top. It's leapfrogged third world military extremists from overseas. That's that's how serious we are at right now. Um, and I'm going to go around the horn and let these guys talk about this before we get out of here. I'm going to start with Ken Diesel first. Oh, absolutely. And this is what R Square and I have said repeatedly. These problems have always been there. They've been there for 40 years, and they have finally gotten to the, the front page, top of the list, leapfrog, whatever you want to use, and it's about freaking time. And I think this is good because these people are always around. They're always dangerous since everyone's just ignoring them, and now maybe we actually will do something about it, hopefully. Maybe, maybe not, but I really think this could be a turning point. So, yeah, no shit. And your, your your thoughts on tomorrow? You you, you think that we're going to see nothing? You don't think we're going to see anything at the state? Because there was some talk and discussion. No, I, they I, can't I, get to Washington, so they're going to go after the state capitals, and they've put all the fifty states on notice to up their securities at the state right. capitals. I wouldn't be surprised if you saw scattered events at certain state capitals, but I don't think there's <clears> anything major. I think these people always look for soft targets, and everybody is super on guard. It would be suicidal to do at this point. The whole reason they were able to take over the Capitol was because there was nobody there watching the store. I don't think they're going to be able to do that so close. And that's not how asymmetrical warfare works. And our square can talk about this better than I can. He's actually had to live it. These people don't do things right after another. They hit and then they wait, they wait, they wait. They wait everyone's dropped their guard and they hit again. That's the whole point of asymmetrical warfare. So, no, I don't think I have a major. You might have some minor problems at state capitals, especially in Pennsylvania, maybe in Michigan, maybe some numbskullery someplace, but no, nothing major. Well, I, I myself, before I let our square close out his thoughts, I was upset when they were able to vandalize Mitch McConnell and, and Nancy Pelosi's house. I was like, wait a minute here. With with what had been going on, you're telling me that these people don't have private security at their house. They, they haven't been ordered to have security or a team at their houses. Please, I mean, we've had we've had people going up to Swampscott to Governor Baker's house, and he had a after the six, they went up there to rally at Baker's house, and they had a whole slew of state police and everybody up there like you never seen before. So. I'm going to go to I squared the military guy, just your thoughts on tomorrow and, and just kind of where we need to be. And again, you know, as I said, you know, are you worried about these state capitals, a possibility, or do you think they've already got that locked down as far as intelligence goes and stuff? They're already on this. 
Yeah, I, I think the intelligence is there. And, and like we were talking about earlier, nobody wants to be responsible for the next thing that happens, especially so quickly after the insurrection at the Capitol. So, and, and so I'm not as concerned about that. I mean, I think they may be looking for an opportunity somewhere and, and they could easily overpower certain state capitals. But um, I, I guess that's not where my where my head is at right now. You know, and, and you asked the question about what do we do to, to, to fix all of this? And, and I think that's the that's really the difficult challenge that we have. I think that the new administration clearly has probably one of the worst situations ever as far as taking over because of the, the, the incredible damage and, and challenges facing you know, the country right now. Uh, and, and certainly they're aware of it. Uh, I think the speech tomorrow will not talk about American carnage. It will probably talk about some kind of unity and, and, and positive message. Uh, and, and I think that's what they want to do. I would say this. Obviously, the administration has a tremendous amount of, of stuff that they have to focus on. And, and they'll do it, and it's going to take a while. It's, it always takes a lot longer to build something than to break it down. And so it won't finish under Joe Biden, but you know he'll have to make a necessary start. Here, here's what I think is the issue. There are two issues that, are, that pose the greatest challenge. The first one is the country's recognition in, in ways that we haven't yet. I mean, you mentioned Jay Johnson. Uh, you know, four years ago, the FBI said that domestic terrorism was the number one threat to the country, and it's only gotten worse in the four years that we've had Donald Trump in office because of his open embrace of these groups. Uh, and, and regardless of what he has or has not said, they certainly have felt empowered under his tenure. Um, and, and, and it's not just him, of course. You've got the Ted Cruz's and Josh Hawley's and Jim Jordan's and, uh, and, and Matt Gates's. you know, all, the, all these numbskulls uh, in, in, in Congress that really have allegiances not to the Constitution and not to democracy, but, but to authoritarianism, and that's become very clear. So the two things that I think are the challenges that this country must get to work on, both of which will be difficult. Uh, have to do with with extremism and, and supreme. I, I link them together for all intents and purposes for this conversation. Is the extremist mm -hmm. groups the supremacist groups? They're not exactly identical, but they mm -hmm. pose the same problem and, and, and challenge. So the first is from from a legal and law enforcement standpoint, uh, it, it's time to take the fight to these groups. Uh, it, it is time to tell them that that your fun is over, your safety is over, uh, and, and we have to do it in a meaningful way. Now, poor Janet Reno, she was a very good person. She really was. And she got she got the short shrift after what happened with the Branch Davidians because they chose, they chose to burn down their compound. They didn't, you know, the federal authorities didn't like the fires. The Branch Davidians did that and they chose to do that. And poor Janet Reno got trashed over it because she That's was right. in charge, right? Mm -hmm. and, and and so we're going to see a lot of that when we come after these compounds. They're going to do the same thing. They have explosives that we haven't even dreamed of. They've got stockpiles of weapons we haven't dreamed of. It's not going to be a raid of 20, 30 FBI agents. You're going to have to have military assets uh, uh, you know, participating in these raids, and it's going to be a war. It is going to be a war. It is going to be like the Civil War. There are going to be casualties, and I'm not trying to sound like Ken when I say it's going to be bloody. It is going to be bloody in a way that the American people don't have the stomach for. Okay, We're soft. We are. We don't sacrifice. 
Uh, and so, you know, when, when we, we, we support a war effort, but then when the pictures come back, you know, the 24-hour news cycle and you start seeing casualties, whatever, all of a sudden we lose our appetite for it quickly. There has to be an absolute com uh, commitment by the American people. And they don't have to – not everybody has to participate in it, but you have to just let it happen. This is an absolute necessity right now. It has gotten out of control in the last 40-plus years. And, and this is – this is a war. These are not protected groups. These are not groups because of political ideology or free speech. They are not about free speech. I don't go after people with free speech issues. I don't care who I disagree with. In fact, I love to have conversations with people I don't agree with. I learn something and I enjoy it. I don't go after people that I disagree with. This is not free speech. This is not political ideology. This is this is criminality and this is terrorism. These are people that want to overthrow. Their whole mission has been to overthrow our government. To, to go from democracy to authoritarianism, to commit genocide, to go back to some kind of apartheid or slavery regime in this country. That's what these different groups want to have. And if we don't recognize that and fight them like we would if it was the Russians invading us or the Chinese invading us or, or you know, uh, uh, ISIS coming to blow us up or whatever, we have to fight them like that because that's who and what they are. And I don't have time. That's, we could spend hours on this, but that's what it is. And you can look at my writings that go back to when I was in high school talking about this issue. Now, what's the second issue I'm talking about? I'll get off my high horse. It's the Republican Party. We need the Republican Party back. So to, to my Republican friends who may be listening or, or the ones that I've been talking to or who read my other stuff, we need the Republican Party back. No one wants a one-party system. That doesn't help anybody. It's not good for either party to have a one-party system. The Republicans need to take their party back. We need the grand old party. We need the traditional Republican party. They need to get rid of Donald Trump and his influences. He was never a Republican in the first place. He was an opportunist. He wasn't a Democrat either. I'm tired of mm -hmm. people saying that. He was an opportunist. He gave money to whoever he thought he could you know, get something from. So, it. yeah. So here's the thing, Republican party. You have a choice to make. You can continue to embrace the the extremist groups and the supremacist groups to, to, to because they, they you know whatever voting ability or whatever you get from that partnership, or you could say nope, that's not how we're going to win. Go back to the tradition that the Republican Party won before these groups were were affiliated with you. The Republican right. Party won before Trump brought them into the fold. The Republican <clears throat> Party won before you know uh, there were other. I'm not even going to call out anybody else but here's the thing so the republican party it, it's not just about driving these groups away and driving the trump influence away although that that absolutely has to happen it's what is going to be your standard in this regard who are going to be your leaders it's not mitch mcconnell he's he's done right i mean he this will be his last term he just won re-election this will be his last term in the senate i'm sure uh, and um, certainly effectively and, and, and other people, right? Are you, are you going to let Ted Cruz, who has now openly proven his affinity, his affinity for authoritarianism based on his behavior, uh, you know, licking Trump's boots and, and uh, you know, challenging the election? I mean, Ted Cruz made his whole career on being a constitutionalist. He kept saying, I'm a constitutional conservative. I wish he was a constitutional conservative. I respect constitutional conservatives. I do. George Conway is a constitutional conservative. Ted Cruz is an authoritarian piece of garbage. Josh Hawley is is an authoritarian piece of garbage, white supremacist piece of garbage. Cotton, Tom Cotton out of Arkansas, 
is a white supremacist piece of garbage, an extremist piece of garbage, an authoritarian piece of garbage. Everybody knows it. You want to know why Tom Cotton got run out of the military as a captain, especially a captain with a deployment history? Because everybody around him knew who and what he was, and he was shunned, and his career ended. He wasn't. He, he didn't advance. Uh, so if they knew who he was, so can we know. And, and there are plenty more, right? There are plenty more in the House of Representatives. I mentioned three senators. Uh, those are the three worst offenders. There are certainly a handful, uh, Louis Gomer, Jim Jordan, Matt Gates, uh, people who on the, on the House side have clearly shown that they do not support the Constitution. Don't serve this country. Don't raise your right hand and take an oath to support the Constitution and the United States, meaning our democracy, if you don't believe in that. They don't believe in it. They have shunned the Constitution for their entire political careers. So don't tell me you're a constitutional conservative. You're not. You're an authoritarian piece of garbage. I want the Republican Party to be constitutional conservatives. I respect that. We may have disagreements on issues, but I want to see the real Republican Party come back. And so, what, look, whatever help you need, you know, uh, I mean, it, 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 it's going to have to require some kind of national effort. And, and so, you know, yeah, Biden has to pursue his policies it's, and, and they're going to be disagreements because that's the name. But we don't but we can still pursue unity while we still have some disagreements over certain policies because we can come together on some grand bargains to solve some of the big problems. And by doing that, both parties both parties can kind of get back to their roots, uh, but the Republican Party specifically uh, has to has to fix this. This is an ugly, ugly, evil chapter in the Republican Party's history, and they're better than this. And I know because the Republicans I know are better than this. They're good, mm -hmm. decent people who have different political views than the Democrats that I know. And there's nothing wrong with that. We need both. But they've got to get rid of this this supremacist and, and extremist influence on their party and, and go back to the grand old party. And that 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 is the most important thing right now to fix this country. Mm. Bingo. I can't I can't add on to that or anything. He just nailed it all in the nutshell. That's kind of what we've been saying here. Yep. And, you know, we, we've been like I said, we were talking about this before anybody. Like I said, I remember April that it was the third week, second week in April. Prince had died that weekend. And it was I was in New York and President Trump was in New York through a press conference and was going to announce that he was running for president. I hit Ken up and these guys up in, the, in our private chat and said, hey, Trump's about to announce he's running for president. I'm in New York, and they're getting everything together. And then sure enough, that's when it began. And nobody even realized that this was about to happen. Nobody thought that this could have happened. Everybody had wrote the guy off. And here we are four years later. Um, he is now leaving the office as one of the lowest rated presidents of all time he's below a 50 percent approval rate it's never happened in the history of presidents and um you guys can take that with whatever grain of salt uh, but we're gonna get ready to get out of here i gotta thank these guys for coming on the show i squared has been doing some writing over there uh he's got some other stuff over there for a delray discussion with robert resnick i've been checking some of that stuff out over there where his hometown is where he's living and, and, and supporting over there. Um, and Ken, you've got some stuff. What's going on with the courthouses? Are we back to full tilt or no at this time under COVID? No, we're not. We are actually, depending on where you go, mo some courthouses are actually going back to not letting anything in and pushing everything off. Brockton, this, my local court, 
they're doing everything virtually except for arraignments, restraining orders, and emergency hearings, mental health hearings. So Jesus. we're still yeah. in shutdown yeah. mode. Like- We've got a couple of experimental <laughs> jury trials in, in March. However, I'm being told by the clerk's office we won't get back to anything looking like normal until at best September, and that's being ambitious. Wow. Wow. I squared you're still doing your classes down there as you talked before. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I, I am in the classroom. I have some of my stuff via zoom and I have other things in the classroom with some of the students in the classroom and some on zoom and we're making the best of it. All right. So as I said here, I want to thank everybody for tuning into the booth tonight. I'm going to close out the show before I let SpongeBob talk. I'm going to let the little bit of Donald Trump's farewell speech as he leaves the White House. Um, again, um, real quick, before we get out of here, guys, your thoughts and your opinion real quick on where do you think these charges are going to go? He was impeached for a second time. We were going to discuss real quick as to how soon we will see these charges come against Donald Trump. I know R-squared, we went into this pretty deeply on January 7th, but has anybody changed on their opinion from the 7th? Or do you still think they're going to wait Till Congress and the Senate are in place before they go after him um, on that legal level for this. Yeah, I'm not. I, I'm not holding my breath. No. Okay, Ken. I'm not holding my breath, but it's going to be a real interesting trial. Let's put it that way. Well, when, when when they get started, we'll come back on and talk it through. Yeah, yeah, because I don't. I don't think it's going to happen for at yeah. least a month. I think they've got to get a lot of other things. Nailed down. I think we'll be back on in a month when this, where we see where we're at. Um, and the question is, is does he take off when he gets out of here? Does he take off? Does he just go to Mar-a-Lago or does he disappear and go over to Russia or somewhere? That's going to be, he can't disappear. He, he, he can't disappear. His ego won't let him. He'll stick around. You think so? Because he's innocent. Didn't you know that? Yeah. Oh yeah. He is right. He's too, his, he's a malignant narcissist who doesn't believe anything wrong. He can. And he's collected all types of security on all of his properties. He's going to forever be protected by the U.S. government on his properties because he's a former president. And that's Not if he gets convicted. Well, yeah, that we will have to see that. But, uh, guys, i got to thank you guys for coming on the show. And as I said, before we get out of here, I've got a Donald Trump farewell speech for you guys. And, uh, guys, thank you for coming on. And then after that will be SpongeBob. Take us home. Here we go. Donald Trump, here's part of his farewell speech, 2021, as he leaves the door. Tomorrow will be the inauguration of Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. My fellow Americans, four years ago, we launched a great national effort to rebuild our country, to renew its spirit, and to restore the allegiance of this government to its citizens. In short, we embarked on a mission to make America great again for all Americans. As I conclude my term as the 45th President of the United States, God bless you. God bless the United States of America. My fellow Americans.
Well, see you next Tuesday. Thank you for listening to The Booth on Hoobazoo and HatcherRadio.com. Please follow the Facebook page and subscribe to the podcast at Apple Podcast, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. The Booth is a Sinister One production hosted by Sinister One. I've got to start hanging out with friends that are a little more intelligent and understand politics and stuff. It's just that I'm up on this level up here and all my friends are down here. Me, meow. You guys, meow. Maybe a little more down, down in here. Screw you guys, I'm going home. I smoke, I drink, I do my thing. These bitches hating, so you know I got to make it plain. Don't do cocaine with your chick, my main. We stick together, true forever, yeah, you know we bang. I miss those days, which was easy. If only I made it, no I've been upstate and y'all think I'm playing And I gotta hit now For these weak ass hoes who think I ain't slaying Try me, try me and I'll probably end up laughing Cause I never back down I'm that chick with a clean ass whip I don't need that shit I got my own now I ain't hurt, I get tired of fuss and fighting Guess I gotta crack down Don't mess with me cause on everything I'ma have to bring the whole city out W-H-O-O-B-A-Z-O-O-Gatsu-Rizzo.com W-H-O-B-A-Z-O-O-Gatsu-Rizzo.com